This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Monday and we're Grant and Danny taking you all the way up to 6.30 tonight. Right here on 106.7, the fan A.J. Perez, front office sports, has the latest Dan Snyder report today. Says Bezos is not out. Growing concern in football that Dan may take his ball and go home. That's ominous. We'll talk to A.J. coming up in 58 minutes right here on G&D. What a sports weekend it was. Your boy is refreshed, Danny. Yeah, a little rejuvenation, right? I had a big uh, a big kids weekend, shuttling people to and fro, multiple playdates. When do you stop calling it a playdate, by the way, for for a kid? Like, my oldest is nine. It, does, it feels like I need to start saying he's going over to a friend's house. But me and, like, another adult were like, yeah, like, after he had his uh, basketball game, right? And I was like, he's like, what are you doing this afternoon? I was like, he's got a playdate. And I went, that didn't come out right. Like, four-year-olds, playdate. Nine-year-olds? He's going to a buddy's house. I got to update my vernacular there. I've never used play date. You never said it. I got two kids under five. It's not. It's just not something that I've used. I I go with. Are you like opposed to it? It just never happened. No, it just hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. It's just they're going over to play with. I'm not a play date guy. I used. I just sort of adopted the language of my peers. When, okay. when someone else says play date, I say play date. I don't know. I just don't want to ruffle any feathers. But I, I realized as soon as I came off the bat talking about my nine-year-old, I was like, that's, that's wrong. It's not a play date. I went to a birthday party yesterday that my daughter was invited to at her parental chaperone mm-hmm. at a Sky Zone, one of these trampoline parks. We've done so many there. That's a blast. Which one did you go to? Woodbridge. Woodbridge, gotcha. There's one in Springfield I've been to a bunch. They're all over the area. All over the place. Our, we had a birthday. At a, one of our kids had a birthday at the Springfield one. Uh, that has happened before and yeah, will happen again. There's a lot of those going around. Get your orange socks and let's go. The Woodbridge location is a 10 out of 10. It's uh-huh. big and it wasn't that packed. We were there really early in the morning. But uh, I'll tell you, the kids loved it. They love it. And the nap was epic. Uh-huh. They, they were on the way home. We were leaving the parking lot. Their eyes were pretty heavy. And they start trying to fall asleep. And I was making weird noises and screaming and trying to sing along to songs. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm not letting them fall asleep on the way home. Good luck. They're not going to fall asleep until we get them to their beds. And her point is, let them fall asleep. We'll carry them up to their beds. But my point is not that. Yeah, I've never been able to do that once. My wife just claims that you can do that. Yes. I've, I've never been able to unbuckle the child seat, wrangle them out of there, like pinch them under the arms, carry them up like they're you know, a sack of potatoes, and then lay them back down. The nap's over. It works 11% of the time. I'm over. Normally, when my kids fall asleep in the car, when you try to get them out and get them in the house, they wake up, they're crying, they don't know where they are, yeah. and now it's over. Mad at you. So I was just, again, being as weird as possible, and I got yelled at. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, fine. Fine. So then the kids fell asleep. We'll do it your way. But uh, what, a, what a party. It was a good time. The weekend was full of good sports. I thought we had our rundown set, and then just moments ago, some breaking news. So we'll start here. Bobby McCain, after two years in Washington's 
secondary has been released. The safety who came over from the Dolphins. Remember, Rivera really liked his acumen after six years with Miami on film because he generated a ton of takeaways. Signed with the Commanders to start. Played in all 34 games the last two years. Started 32 of them. Four interceptions in his first season. None last year. I did force one fumble. That was the one takeaway he was a part of. Had more tackles. 76 stops this past season. 63 a year before. But not nearly as impactful as he was in his first year. And if you remember, two of those four picks in his first year in D.C. were actually in week 18. When the season was lost. That's right. He played yeah. the Giants. Good memory. I think he picked off Jake Fromm twice. Who's probably never going to start in the NFL again. So you can put a little asterisk by that total as well. But here's what I think this is. A, you save money. Some dispute as to how much. We'll find out if they're going to make this a post-June 1 designation. At minimum, they're going to save about $2.5 million against the cap. There's a chance, though, that it could be over $4 million against the cap. Close to four and a half mil. That's a big deal. Yeah, it depends if it's a pre- or post-June 1st designation, as far as we can tell. You've got really good young safeties. You know Cam Curl is a stalwart. They're going to try to lock him up, presumably this offseason. Heck, you should just take the McCain money and put it right into whatever extension you're going to work just on. Just pour it right in there. With Cam Curl. Derek Forrest broke out last year. And kudos to them. They found this guy. Yes. Mid-round picks. I thought he'd kind of be a special teams type player out of Cincinnati. He's turned into a quality football player. Flashed a ton last year like a strobe light at safety. So you've got your starting safeties. McCain played a lot in the nickel. You know They used that, what they call their Buffalo role where they use three safeties. And McCain, more than the other two guys, would, would kind of cover receivers in the slot. So they'll have to replace him. I don't know that that guy is on their roster necessarily. They've been able to get creative with some uh, options at that third safety role. But... If you can save money and move on, he's 29. He's going to be 30 this summer. This makes sense to me. This is what it's supposed to look like, and it's that's cruel because the NFL is very mean uh, in, in that regard. All Bobby McCain did was do what he was asked to do, come in, play pretty well, be solid, and, okay. and so on. Yeah, that's who he was. Your second, third, and fourth leading tacklers this year on the roster were the three safeties, to, to your point about how often they use that look, right? Forrest, Curl, McCain, respectively. Jamie Davis led the team because Cole Holcomb only played seven games. He'd have been your team's leading tackler. He was well on pace. He was still fifth despite not playing in, in, uh, in 10 games uh, due to injury. But this is what's supposed to happen in the league. This is what good programs do. So this is a nice example of it where you draft somebody you're, you're, or you find somebody through – Whatever means, whether it's a trade, whether it's uh, you know off somebody's practice squad, whatever, you develop those guys into people that can contribute some. You put more on their plate. They consume it. They're good. They now start to outplay the veteran that's more expensive or at least give you similar uh, you know cost effectiveness in terms of how well those guys are playing. They graduate, become full-time starters, and you're able to move on and sort of help build your roster elsewhere. So nobody did anything wrong here. This is a thank you, Bobby McCain. Good job. That you are you were exactly who we thought you were. Solid. Thanks for filling in. Appreciate you keeping the seat warm. Now we got a couple kids who are both 23 years old as bookend safeties. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think this is a fine move and it makes a lot of sense. He was scheduled to be their 11th highest paid player this year. He was going to cost about 5.1 million against the cap. So if you look at their highest paid players right now going into the official portion of the offseason here, a couple of weeks post Super Bowl. Carson Wentz, $26 million. He's not going to make that. That's the, the, the number against the cap for him this season. Goes down a bit from last year. They've got the get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't cost them a penny. They will move on from Carson Wentz. So you can kind of just take a Sharpie and draw it through his name, right? Mm-hmm. So then we'll start at John Allen, their highest-paid player. Well-deserved. 
$21.4 million, a lot of money for a defensive tackle. But Danny, this is a perennial all-pro, a conversation player now. This is a annual Pro Bowl type who is one of the better players at his position in the sport. On top of that, he's a leader. Yep. He's the guy giving the speech at the 50-yard line. He is everything kind of you look for and, and you draw up when you draft a player in the first round out of Alabama. Got no problem with what he makes. It does make it a little bit harder to pay Deron Payne the $20 million that he wants because you'd be talking about $40 million per year against your cap for your starting defensive tackles at a position where those guys aren't on the field 100% of the time. And I don't think they're going to pay Payne because of that. I think he probably gets franchised. He's tag. franchised, yeah. I would trade him. I don't think they will. He's probably going to play on the tag. But Allen at $21 million, their highest paid player. Then you go on the offensive side of the ball to Curtis Samuel. His cap number this year is massive, by the way. $13 million. Now, at the receiver position, there are guys that make $27, 28000000 million. But this is your number three receiver, pretty definitively, right? I mean, yes. McLaurin is better. Dotson is better. Those two guys will get more targets. They better use him a lot better to justify that 13 mil, bro. Because I don't know if it was a Scott Turner thing or what. You wouldn't think so. He got a lot out of him at Carolina before they came to Washington. Curtis Samuel has just not given them what they thought. I know year one was a wash because he was hurt the whole year. Mm -hmm. But he was a non-factor for weeks on end last year. $13 million against your cap is really, really big money. It certainly is. And especially now, if you he's... I don't know if I'd call him a, a, a regular number three. He's like a two and a half. He and Dotson are kind of interchangeable, sometimes slot, sometimes out of the back. More of a gadget guy. Nothing wrong with that. You need a lot more production out of him, especially at, for me, early downs, right? Just flipping him the ball out of the backfield or instead of just being – I mean, he basically was the DeAndre Carter role for them. Remember the guy who was here was returning punts? Just in jet action running, you know, wind sprints uh, laterally before most plays and kind of a decoy. He wasn't great out of the backfield as a runner, and they kind of went to that a few too many times in my opinion. You need more out of that guy. Regardless of how much he's making, he's a matchup advantage or should be against a lot of teams' defensive backs. Third highest paid player behind Allen and Samuel scheduled for this season is Charles Leno, the left tackle, $12.5 million against the cap. Remember, they brought him in have since re-signed him. So this is the first bump in his contract that they gave him as their starting left tackle. I know he had a tough finish to the season, but this is what a left tackle costs. Frankly, if you have an elite one, it can cost almost two times. Almost twice as much, yeah. So I got no problem with Leno at $12.5 assuming he plays next year like he's played the majority of the last two seasons, not during the rough patch at year's end. Here's an interesting name in their top five highest paid players. Allen, Samuel, Leno, in that order. Chase Rouillet, the yeah. center. $12.4 million against the cap. They could save about $4 million by releasing Rouillet, but they would have a huge dead cap number at $8.1 million uh, if they did that. I don't know if that's viable, so I, I don't know what the options are. They're going to have to get creative. I just have a really hard time, after two years of him not being able to stay healthy, his career kind of having been derailed by injuries, serious injuries, imagining that they're going to be willing to pay him over $12 million or expecting him to be their center even. Yeah, he's good, but that's not what's at issue. It's that he's had two season-ending injuries in two consecutive years. It's, you know, you've got a, you've got a plan where you're building around that guy and then he's not available for the over, overwhelming majority of the time where he's supposed to be on the field. It's just hard to justify at that stage. Again, there's the pre and post June 1st designation. If they want to sort of spread some of that dead money into the following season, maybe they could. Um, but still, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a big pill to swallow uh, to basically have that 8 million in dead cap. And 
you may as well, if you're going to do that, you may as well just pay the guy and hope he's healthy for this one more season. Then you look at Montez Sweat, Kendall Fuller, Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, Logan Thomas, all in their top 10 highest paid. The only guy there that would be a possible cap casualty, I would think, is Logan Thomas. Yeah, so you could, you, you'd could have about uh, $3,500,000 in dead money. You could save just over $5 million there. Again, that's an, that's an injury concern, less so than an ability thing, right? That's wear and tear. You could also go to these guys and try to restructure, or maybe someone's willing to take a pay cut. But that's just a quick lay of the land among some of the higher-paid players on the team. So in a non-Wentz convo, and we all know he's not coming back, you just released one of your 10 highest-paid players in Bobby McCain, and it seems like it makes some sense. Uh, this weekend, a lot going on. Let's just go rapid fire here. The Nationals, based on other teams televising spring training games, uh-huh. we got to watch them a little bit. A few notes. Cade Cavalli threw an inning yesterday. Yes, he did. Got a strikeout. Looked good. I was happy to see both him and Mackenzie Gore, who were shut down at the end of last season, mm-hmm. on the hill, not having any issues after their first outings. By the way, Mackenzie Gore in his inning – which was clean. I think he gave up one hit. But he got a strikeout on 95 low in the zone. Looked really, really good. I'm excited to watch both of those two guys this year. Other Nats of note that just kind of stood out. First game of spring training. It was good to see C.J. Abrams belt a ball down the line. Had a double deep into the right field corner. Uh, He ended up scoring a run and had a stolen base in a multi-hit game. Thought that was really good to see. A name to familiarize yourself with is Jake Alou, who could end up playing at third base this season. Uh, he had a hit, a, a double, in his first spring action. So some of the young guys flashing a little bit, which is good to see. Nice profile about uh, C.J. Abrams in the Washington Post today. I think it's uh, Andrew, our buddy Andrew Golden wrote it. Added six pounds of muscle. And that doesn't sound that outrageous, but when you're as, frankly, small and thin as C.J. Abrams is, that's a huge deal uh, for somebody like that. He's never going to be a huge power guy. You don't want him to be. Keep that world-class speed some more consistency defensively, you know, decent approach at the plate, and uh, open conversation about his goal to sell 50, to steal 50 bases this year with the new rules and everything else. Would A, involve getting on base a whole bunch, B, getting that green light. I, I, I say turn them loose. You're going to lose 100 games? Make it exciting. Let, let them get thrown out 15, 20 times. Yeah, 50 is bullish and unlikely just because, as you said, you got to be on base a lot. Yeah. You're, you're talking about hitting for average and drawing walks. Just as an example, Trey Turner peaked in Washington at 46 steals back in 2017. Now, in fairness, he did that in 98 games that year. So can you imagine if Trey Turner would have played 150 games that year? He might have stolen 65 65 bases something or something like that. But they have not had a 50-steal guy probably ever in Washington off the top of my head. I don't head. think Soriano got to 50. Soriano stole 40 the year he went 40-40. Uh, maybe a couple more than that. But 50 is a ton. He certainly got the speed. Uh, that would be a big, big deal. And the new rules are going to help him. There's no doubt about that. That's kind that. of the idea. And that's uh, what kind of team do we have here, right? I mean, uh, uh, turn him to attract me. Let him be an athlete. The goal of this team should be C.J. Abrams, Cade Cavalli, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, a couple other guys. Whatever's best for them. Yes. <laughs> Whatever helps them be the best player in two years, do that. Yep, do that. Uh, elsewhere in D.C. sports this weekend, the Wizards played on Friday night, lost to the Knicks, and on Sunday, lost to the Bulls by 20. That is an 0 for 2 for a team that is trying to cling to hopes to get into the play-in tournament. They were playing a Bulls team yesterday, by the way, that is basically them. You know, right around 500, yeah. a little below it, and kind of in a similar spot where they've got some really good veteran players and thought they were going to be better this year, and they got blown out by 20. And I know they didn't have poor Zingas and they were banged up, but pretty gross effort. Uh, they were up by 2 after the first quarter. It was close at a ha- the half. 
And then they ended up getting outscored by 13 late. You had a lead against the Knicks as well, um, as uh, Julius Randle, I think, went. I think he's still getting buckets, by the way. That was one of the Pattinson Wizards games. They led by 19 they, in that game. They certainly did. It's like are... five times in the last three weeks that they <laughs> led by 19 points and lost the game. They are just special. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, two steps forward, two steps back, right? Great wins against uh, Portland and Minnesota where they look good, competent, and you're going, maybe they got something here for true. I see this big three gelling. And then, you know, the, the next time out, this is who they are. They're a group that's going to be inconsistent up and down right around 500. Let, let, let's just get into that Ted Leonsis classic, baby, the 10 seed. Speaking of Damian Lillard's Portland Trailblazers, 71 points 71, man. He was taking some irresponsible shots. Not for him. Irresponsible for you. Irresponsible for mortal human beings. Irresponsible for most players in the NBA. There is a, there is a, he was clearly feeling it at one point. I I encourage you all to check out the highlight. One left-hand dribble across half court. Right foot still touching the thing that says Trailblazers. Their fun little logo. He pulled from there. The defender is like, I, okay, I guess I'd take this seriously. (laughs) I'll put my hand up, but come on. And he drilled it. 13 threes. Yeah. 13 of 22, I believe, from three-point range last night. Now, I'm not some Johnny-come-lately. You know this about me. That's my guy. My favorite player to watch in the NBA. He's so fun. I'll never say Dame, and I'll never say Dame time. I can't do either of those two things. He just said it. And, in fact, if you say those things, uh-huh. I probably won't take you seriously either. Just what so we're on the it? same page. Tell me what time it was. It was about 1030, 10.30 East time, that, yeah. right when the game tipped off. So I saw a stat. He took 420-plus feet worth of shots. I believe that. So in other words, like a, like a big man dunking, that's from one foot away. He shot he shot the furthest distance of shots in the history of shots. Guy. There's no one like him. No. I love Damian Lillard. He's so fun and so good to watch. He's great post game in his interviews as well. I think he's so slept on by the way. Just I think tucked he tucked away is, in the Pacific Northwest. Exactly. He's unheralded in a way that shouldn't happen like I know he's a superstar, he makes so much money. My point is there is no superstar in any sport that gets less attention than that guy. 71 points, man. 71 points. The people who have ever scored 70, it's like Wilt Chamberlain on every Wednesday yep. in his career. And then Kobe. Wilt Duncan on me. Kobe against the Raptors. There's one other guy who doesn't really belong on that list. What is Like Dave name? Bing? No. <laughs> they got himself 60-something once. I'll have to think of it. Uh, dude, Damian Lillard. 71 points. He's the best. Kobe's, it, it does remind me and just make me think about how crazy Kobe's 80-plus was. Because um, we just passed the anniversary of it, I, and I brought it up. His, like, two weeks prior, you could start to see something simmering. Obviously, he didn't know 81 points, but he had, like, a 46-point a game, then, like, a 39-point game, then, like, a 50-some, and then he went for 81 against the Raptors. Most 60-point games in history. Wilt did it 32 times. Come on. Kobe did it six. Damian Lillard did it five. Jordan four, I think, right? On Maybe, that list? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Here's a stat I saw that I liked more than anything else last night. Lillard has more 60-point games than Curry, LeBron, Shaq, Bird, Magic, Duncan, Russell, and Durant combined. Combined. <laughs> he is, uh, when he's locked in like that, it's it's just different. Uh, Capitals, Saturday, a little bit of a tease. We saw what it used to be like to watch this team. Remember? They whooped the Rangers at Capital One Arena. Awesome game for them. You thought, well, maybe they're going to give this thing a run after all. Six to three win. And then one day later, back to back, the age caught up to them. They give up a seven spot, lose by three goals. Never really were in it after the first period against the Sabres. So a one in one weekend. Didn't go 0-2 like their roommates at Capital One Arena. 
But uh, they need every point they can get, so that was still pretty damaging for them. Ovi scored. Nice. That's fun. That's kind of now what I'm doing with the caps is like, it's like my did Ovi score tracker. He did. So I enjoyed it. That's kind of what I'm looking for at this point. Yeah. The roommates at uh, capital one struggling. There was also a lot of Dan Snyder news this weekend. Mm -hmm. It wasn't all good. If you are team, I want this thing over and a new owner next week. Let's get into some of that. We got AJ Perez of front office sports joining us at three, but you have conflicting reports from among others, Perez with front office, Josh Kosman of the New York Post and the Athletics' Dan Kaplan all came out with big reports on Dan Snyder. So we'll go through some of the specifics with you, give you the latest on exactly where we are in this potential sale on Grant and Danny right here on The Fan. G&D, welcome back. You're locked into the fan. A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports with the latest on Dan Snyder. He had a report today that was new, big, I would say, first thing this morning. So we'll get to that coming up in a half hour. And as we continue today, we'll get into some football items as it pertains to the commanders. The NFL Combine is getting underway in Indianapolis. Tomorrow. How about it? Yeah, man. At I was asked today, we do a little TV hit with um, a local TV outlet, uh, you and I, that we tape before our show, and they asked, they said, are you a big combine guy? Do you care about it? And I said, I love the combine for probably a different reason than most people. With all due respect to the draft prospects, because that's interesting to me too, the combine is great because agents, executives, and the media are all in one place. And agents and team executives can duck you all offseason. You're emailing, you're calling, you're, you're texting, you're trying to get intel. They don't want you to have intel. Or they're only going to tell you what they need or want you to know. Uh-huh. Now we're all in the same bars. Now we're all in the same restaurants. We're walking in the same uh, indoor hallways in Indianapolis around downtown. Stories come out. You know, People get the word out and start to chirp a little bit. So that's why I love the Combine, which is getting underway. But let's get to the Dan Snyder developments. So let's go back to the end of the week where you and I were discussing the fact that the Post had reported that Jeff Bezos had entered the chat, as we were calling it. Uh, He had hired a firm that he was going to be trying to place his bid imminently. We'll start with Friday night after we get off the air. Mm -hmm. Josh Kosman of the New York Post reported that Bezos wanted to participate in the auction but was told no by Dan Snyder. In fact, Bezos was told no, according to Kosman of the Post, months ago by Dan, and has asked again recently and has been told no again by Dan Snyder through Bank of America. So it's not like Dan is saying absolutely not. The bank is telling him, your money is no good here, through Dan, who is selling the item. The league is eventually going to have to approve the buyer. Snyder will get to decide who gets the team, who he sells the team to, but the league does have the final say, in other words. If Dan wants to sell the team to Josh Harris, as an example, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, who's in on the club. Uh-huh. Even though his bid is lower than Bezos, Dan can take the Harris offer because he likes him better. The league would have to approve Harris, though. And if they really want it to be Bezos, they might say, you're not selling it to Harris. And then the question is, well, what does Dan do? Then does what? he sell it to Bezos or does he say, I- I'm just going to keep owning the team? Would the league rather Harris own the team than him? Probably. So would they just take that offer rather than trying to get the most money in the guy they want, Bezos. There's a lot of balls in the air here. Mm -hmm. But what Kosman of the New York Post reported 
was that this auction is at a crossroads. He wonders, his reporting suggests, if Dan actually won't sell to Bezos or if this is a ploy to get more money from Bezos. One of those two things is true. Which one is it? And the other big development over the weekend, I think the Post had this and so did Kosman, was Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets, yes. has been involved as the mystery bidder. We didn't know who it was. He has bidded $5.5 billion. That was his bid. According to Kosman, no one else has even pitched a bid yet. He says Josh Harris does not have the money raised yet to, to finalize his bid. He says that Bezos hasn't been allowed to bid, that a third person who has toured the facility has not bid yet either, that essentially only Tillman Fertitta, who is not expected to be able to buy the team, has gotten his bid in so far. Dan won six, and that was at 5.5, Bill. This is all via Josh Kosman in the New York Post. So, okay, a lot of things to chew on out of that. Okay, so we have another subsequent report from A.J. Perez we'll talk about in a we second. Got two more. We got The Athletic oh, and it's true. Yes, A.J. Thank you. Perez. God, man, there's so many. Okay, the big takeaways here are it puts some weight behind the Snyder-Bezos grudge. Okay? We've always kind of perceived that and thought of it, and I've sort of read between the lines, whether it's Dan's statements, his attorney's statements, or, or, or otherwise, that have said – Dan feels like a victim in all of this. He thinks this whole thing is a, a witch hunt, and he's un, always hated the Washington Post and blames them and this, that, and the other thing. And then by extension, Bezos, who was bought into the Washington Post, is now, I guess, uh, the de facto face of that thing. So if he could help it, he wouldn't sell the Jeff Bezos. Okay, so that's the that's the first part of that. Second, though, is... Yeah, not so fast here with all these different offers and the the bids escalating and, you know, we're going to slow our roll. There isn't close to what Dan's looking for. Therefore, we have some apprehension that this thing may not go forward. It's kind of the cold water deal. So some of these things, and I always t- we talk about this all the time, Jeeves, you are always looking in these kinds of stories for who the beneficiary is, right, to sort of figure out what's true and what's not. It's not a, none, none of these reports that are directly in contrast to each other are 100% true. doesn't mean that someone's misreporting something. It means that you're getting a, from a source who's got an agenda. That's okay. That's part of it. It's up to us to piece together the information that we receive. Not having too many people involved, not having too many people uh, ramping the bidding up north of $6 billion or getting close to seven. who would that benefit? Buyers, potential buyers. Right. So I sort of say, okay, that's a data point. This is the very latest here where this may not be as competitive and you don't have to go to 6.7 billion or 7.1 billion just to get this asset. We can actually get this thing settled for maybe just under six or whatever. Right. We're outing Tillman Fertitta or, or otherwise. We don't have that many bidders involved. When you hear something the other direction, which is everybody's involved, it's the, the, the bids are fast and furious, like a Vin Diesel movie. We're going to get to seven and you, you sort of can figure out who's who in that one as well. I have been told from day one when we found out Snyder was selling, which was almost 120 days ago, by the way, by people around the team. Every person I've asked around the team, it's a few folks I've been talking to pretty consistently. And they have all said from the beginning that they did not think Dan would ever sell to Jeff Bezos. I will admit that, okay? And even this weekend, talking to people again, most of whom still think he's going to sell. Almost all of whom have said they'd be really surprised if he didn't. Some went harder than that and said he's definitely going to sell. They still say the hatred for Bezos is real. They still say they don't think or they wouldn't bet on it him being him. Going back to last week when we were really excited and we're cutting promos about Jeff Bezos, <clears throat> my reaction there and still is, I just have never believed that. Does that make sense? 
Like, I keep hearing Dan's not going to sell this thing to Bezos or doesn't want to or prefer not to or mm. he, the, the hate is legitimate. I can't wrap my head around that level of pettiness to the point where, first of all, I think it's completely misguided if he thinks Jeff Bezos tried to take him down by way of telling Post reporters like Liz Clark to, to, to write bad stories about him. That's a stupid thing that I, I just won't even acknowledge. Like, I don't allow that at the table. It, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's a conspiracy theory, and it's dumb. But maybe he really believes that, right? Yeah, I think he does. And if he does, maybe he hates Bezos enough that he wouldn't sell to him. So maybe it's time for me to recalibrate and say, okay, maybe he he really won't sell to Jeff Bezos. I have always assumed that if Bezos pays the most money, he'll get the team. And the reporting this weekend gives me a little pause. The conversations I have with people who have not budged in that opinion kind of gives me pause. But that doesn't mean he's not going to sell. You know, a lot of people hear this news and they go, oh, my gosh, he might not sell. I just don't believe that. I, I still believe it's happening this offseason. I really do. Is it Josh Harris who hasn't made a bid yet? Is it Tillman Fertitta who's not expected to get the team who bid, in quotes, only $5.5 billion? Is it the third person that toured the facility and we don't know who that is yet? Or will it eventually be Bezos? I don't know. So but- we find out that Bezos hired Allen and company. This New York Post story pours cold water on that going, yeah, he did months ago. Yeah, he's been doing he's this for been a long working time. With them for a while. Yeah, the, the quote that jumps out to me is from this source. He's an ass, talking about uh, Snyder. He's an ass, and he may not want to give it up. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. That's been out there all along, too. Yeah. You know, is this idea that maybe he won't want to give the team up. Uh, this is Josh Kosman, uh, whose reporting we're talking about from the New York Post. He was on with Kevin Sheehan this morning on the Team 980. Uh, here is one of the things he said. What we reported over the weekend was that Bezos wanted to participate in the auction. So when this auction started, which would have been around January, um, he, working with Allen and Company uh, in sports banking, a pretty prominent investment bank, uh, approached Bank of America, who was selling the team, asked to be in the auction. Uh, Bezos, excuse me, uh, Snyder through B of A said no, um, and is asked again, um, and again has been told no. So as we stand now, uh, Snyder has kept Bezos the most logical suitor for the team and owner of the Washington Post out of the process. He wants all the money. The guy that can give him all the money, he says no to. And the other guys that are having a hard time getting the money that he wants are allowed to buy the team. So you can see where this is pretty complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Athletic and Dan, Dan Kaplan had subsequently a report that I think corroborated a lot of this or confirmed a lot of the things we already knew. They doubled down on the Bezos report in the New York Post. They said Bezos has not been allowed to bid on the commanders. I guess that's stronger wording. Um, But they also suggested in their report, I guess the one big development from the athletic piece this weekend was that activity in the sale has ramped up. So they're saying Bezos is not being allowed to bid. Bank of America had told him that months ago. Bezos, because he hasn't been able to bid, still hasn't been able to see the time team's financials. So he's trying to buy something that might cost him six or six and a half billion dollars to outbid everybody else. And yet he hasn't even been allowed to look into the books yet, supposedly, according to the athletic. Being shut out, yeah. But there, I would say the trail goes to the front office sports story. And AJ Perez, and he's going to be on the show in 20 minutes at three o'clock. He says, and we'll ask him about this, he's got two sources telling him. Bezos remains in the running for the team. One of those two sources said 
the idea that Dan is not allowing him to bid is just Dan trying to get him to pay more money. In other words, if you say, I'm not letting you in the club, but you're willing to, to pay more to get into the club, then all of a sudden you then look it's up just that, shrewd. Yeah, that then it's smart. Rope. Uh, NFL owners, according to A.J. Perez, have grown concerned about the pace of the sale as we're now 120 days in. The sales process, according to A.J., and I would say this is common sense, is critically at a juncture here where we're a month away from the league meetings, obviously. They've narrowed the list of bidders down in recent weeks. Like the rubber's about to meet the road. But the, the bombshell and the headline, so to speak, that worried people from A.J. Perez was the suggestion in his story that Snyder could just keep the team. And that is everyone's biggest fear, obviously. That's the one. Can you imagine the toothpaste being put back in the tube? Yes. And the utter chaos. Like, I don't even know what would happen. I mean, fans, I've got a bunch of people tweeting me saying they're out, they're done, they're not watching games, they're never going back if, if Dan's still the owner. The league does not want that. I can no. promise you that. That would be the most devastating thing that could possibly happen, which is to, to, to literally to show people the light and then slam the door and brick it shut. Let's dive into that next. Like, What would that look like if Dan comes out and says he's not selling? And also, from the Bezos standpoint, do you actually think he would tell him to go away? And, and if so, what would that mean for the sale? Or would money eventually talk? We'll dive into that as well. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. I do think that there is some evidence that he doesn't want to sell. Um, I've been told that he didn't give all the financial information you'd expect in the auction to suitors that would help them line up co-investors. So there is, and, and, and certainly in December, there was plenty of speculation that Snyder had only put the team up for sale because of the congressional hearings and the pressure he was under. Um, so I think there is some evidence that he really doesn't want to sell. Josh Kosman, who was on with Kevin Sheehan over on 980 this morning. Welcome back. We're Grant and Danny. You are listening to the fan. A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports says, don't count out Bezos yet. He's got two sources telling him Bezos is still in the mix. And in addition to that, he says that there is some growing concern about Snyder's willingness to sell, which you just heard Kosman of the New York Post talking about right there. So why don't we start right there, Danny? I am still kind of... I'll go down with the ship, it sounds like. But there are too many conflicting people saying this is happening. And I'll just be frank. Too many of the people, and no one really knows anything definitively. Right. But that I talk to who are tangentially around the organization or know someone who knows something kind of people, better access than you and I, say this is happening. This is going to happen. So I'm just assuming that they're right. And I still think that the sale is going to take place. This offseason, but we got excited this past week. This weekend was cold water. How you feeling? Yeah, it's hard to be supremely confident, I think. Just if if you read all the different things. It's like every time you think you've you've got it, you know, there's that two or three major articles. It's like, yeah, you don't, you don't have it just yet. Uh what Cosman said in that clip though has was my fear up until this week. And I thought that was a, a huge likelihood of reality, that Snyder was just avoiding all the shots that would normally come from um, investigations coming to fruition, oversight reports, et cetera, and he just got people off his back while you know things kind of died down. He was buying himself some time. As to what end, I don't know exactly, but that was kind of my fear, is that he would just make up an arbitrary number that was too big, you wouldn't get it, and then he would sort of proverbially take his ball and keep it. But I've heard enough 
tangentially like you have over the last week that does make me think this has happened. Not the least of which, by the way, is Jason Wright openly referring to life before and after a sale. Don't forget about that. Th- that to me is the, was the most essential public thing that has happened Regardless of Jeff Bezos' involvement or non-involvement, yeah. Jason Wright answering a question about recruiting a potential coach or major hire in Eric Bieniemy openly referred to an A, B, and a B, C, a before time and after time, and the it in the middle was a sale of the team and a transition and all the upside that they're, they're in. So I still do think it's happening, but again, it's hard to be supremely confident. Yeah, the thing I will say, though, about the weekend's worth of reports and some of the... Uh, I, I, disappointment we felt from fans that we were interacting with and saw responding on social media was some of the threats if Dan Snyder stays. If he decides he's not selling. To which I I just think this is inevitable. The timeline maybe isn't what we all want, but he owes a lot of money, and I don't know that he's ever going to be able to pay that money off a couple years from now. So, to me, the, the, the sand in the hourglass is dropping down into the bottom of the base here. And eventually, there's no sand left. He, I don't think he has a real choice, frankly. The question is, is it now? Is it later? But the possibility that he's still the owner of this team this year is so fascinating just to see what fans do. I mean, you think there's been a revolt or a a drop-off in support for people who were out because of Dan Snyder before. I think you, you would have... A real wake-up call if you're the NFL as to how this fan base feels about this guy. If you tease them and and floated the idea of someone else all offseason and then surprise pulled the covers out from underneath them. Let's go to Jim in Woodbridge on Grant and Danny. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Anyway, we're all talking like the worst-case scenario is that he backs out of this and we're stuck with the team. The only other worst-case scenario I can think of is he says to the NFL, hey, I can't get the money I'm looking for. Let's pick this thing up and move it to London where I live anyway. And uh, I can get a stadium out there. The fans don't hate me out there. And we're stuck without a team because he picked this thing up, just took his ball in his essence, and took it to London. So we get one of these calls every couple of weeks or mm-hmm. so. And my response has always been the same. Number one, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that would happen. I would also tell you this. We disagree on what the worst case scenario is. To me... I would rather Dan Snyder take the team to London. Yeah, it's not ideal. Than Dan Snyder continue to own the team in perpetuity. Yeah, I'd take that over him staying on another day. You're asking me, would you rather not have a team for a few years and they would eventually, clearly, bring one back to us as soon as possible? Or Dan Snyder be the owner the rest of your life? I would take a couple years, no team, and then a new owner after that. I would do that. Same. Grant and Danny on the fan. AJ Perez of Front Office Sports next. Also, they're considering making roughing the passer calls reviewable in the NFL. We'll get into that at 325. That would be a very, very important, much-needed development. We're G&D. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 